Work is broken. So is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is breaking things down so you can put them back together and make work something you can enjoy. Let's fix work together. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm your host, Lori Rudiman. Have you ever heard the phrase, be the change? Yeah, of course you've heard that phrase. Everybody uses that phrase. And by the way, nobody gives credit to Gandhi. And I'm not actually sure that Gandhi said it first, but one of my friends, Amanda Haidt, says it all the time, and she actually tries to live it. Amanda Haidt is a dreamer, a doer, and an entrepreneur. She started a company called BTC Revolutions, which is a social media strategy company, but she started it in 2008 at the beginning of the recession with 64 bucks in her pocket. Amanda is focused on social activism, being the change in community, and she's also focused on being your authentic self at work. And Amanda is working hard to fix work. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Amanda as much as I did, and I'll see you at the end to wrap things up. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman, and I'm here today with one of the good ones out there, just an amazing human being, a dear friend, and someone I've known for going on a decade, my friend Amanda Hyde. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm so wonderful, and I'm so happy to be here. It's really um, just an honor to have you, honestly. I couldn't think of anybody else I want to talk to about making work better and making the world better. And I know you're passionate and When I think about you, I think about the phrase, be the change. So we're going to talk about that today. Are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Let's do it. Yeah. So the first part of our conversation, I really want to talk about whether or not work sucks. Do you know if there are any great places to work anymore? Well, I think the BTC life is pretty great at (laughs) BTC, but I I think that you have a fair point and there's probably a reason I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, and that I created, you know, my own workplace. But what I found in doing that is it's a lot harder to create uh, a great work environment um, than I think we think. You know, being in corporate America, read a lot of books and kind of always had this imagination of the, the perfect workplace culture I would create. And it's tough. You know, people are messy. But, but yeah, um, work sucks. But I do think there's some good businesses out there doing some good so what makes a really great place to work? I, I know it's not um, working in Silicon Valley and working in those pristine office environments that are like workbenches where they feed you food because those people are miserable. <laughs> <laughs> so what makes a great place to work? What are you focused on at your own organization? I, I, I think a lot of times companies, we, we do a lot of corporate speak about culture and I think I I really think your everyday employee they don't they don't talk in terms they don't think about things of and it's a real focus on the business or the brand when you're talking about culture so I think it's about what's their life like at work so I like to focus on lifestyle and um, you know what is is there you know people spend so much time at work and so how do we make just that part of life better and I think it's purpose I think it's people that you're around and uh, making sure you're having fun, all of those good things. But I think we need to focus on more lifestyle components than corporate speak. 
You know, I love that focus on lifestyle because the places where I've flourished and where I've had the best experience see me as a human being. They really think like, oh, Lori is busy. She's got stuff going on. Work isn't everything. Well, it's important to her. She has a family and she's got siblings and she has responsibilities and hobbies and interests. And the work environment is, um, I don't know, it's multifaceted and it sees me as more than just an HR lady or whatever I was, right, in my day job. And so I wonder if that's something that you strive to do to see your employees as something more than sales professionals or marketing professionals or consultants. But once you see them as a human being, you see all their flaws. That's the other side. You know, you see them as complex individuals with quirks, with hangups, and with issues as well, right? Oh, yeah. But I I genuinely believe that if you want to get, like, the best uh, of someone's performance – you have to let them be exactly who they are. And, uh, you know, I, I know from growing up in the workplace during a time where I uh, had a boss that told me, you know, you, you can have this promotion as long as you don't talk to anybody about your lifestyle. Nobody knows about that, you know, by uh, being an LGBT person. And um, I, it's so hard to do good work when you just can't be yourself. And so I think one of the most important things is letting people uh, be in an environment where uh, they can be exactly who they are. They feel, and whether that's the opinions that they have, whether that's the um, you know life they live outside of work, and they feel like that's a part of it. Uh, it's yeah, it's important. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, once you say to someone, "Be your whole self," though, you have to treat them like a human being. You have to have a different relationship with them, and that means coming to terms with people who have maybe depression or anxiety or complex family issues, not only uh, different in air quotes type of people that they love, but also different lifestyles. Maybe they live with aging parents or maybe they are in um, polyamorous relationships, right? You learn all sorts of stuff about people when you see them as human beings. So what's your work environment like? Like who works for you right now? Like you don't have to out their names, but what kind of people are working for you? Oh, we have... I mean, we have people from, you know, all walks of life and all, uh, you know, it's interesting in a very politically divisive time. We have people from, you know, all sides of that fence. Um, yeah, we yeah, have, you have some Trump lovers. You can just say it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And, um, you know, e- even though I, you know, I am very openly open about my opinions, also make it a place where, uh, people feel safe to be the same with theirs. Uh, we also have, you know, we have uh, people with various kind of uh, things that they're struggling with. Um, so whether it's uh, mental health problems or uh, physical disabilities, and in those contexts, I think it's important to, um, you know, be 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 a support to those people during that process. I mean, you'll you'll find, you know, some of our folks openly blogging you know, online about some of the issues and working through. And I also see, I I see that as a good thing. I see them forming community around those things and support. And as they're sharing their stories, other people are saying, Hey, uh, I'm going through that, that too. And this is helping me and they're getting, so uh, we, you know, I, I don't know, you know, HR legal wise, maybe sometimes we're, we're to an extreme with what we allow people and how we allow them to express uh, themselves. But um, it's something we're really committed to. Yeah, you should be really proud of that. And I think for a majority of people, 
they don't necessarily feel like they can bring their whole selves to work. And so I wonder if you have any insight on why work sucks for so many people and what are some of the major themes that you've seen out there? You know, one thing that I see happening is uh, the world's changing really fast and you have these different generations in the workplace and you kind of have some old like traditional regimes uh, in place and then you have this new younger uh, audience of people coming in and you have uh, people that really fought hard, worked hard to work themselves into the positions that they're in and they see these younger folks moving in and they're saying, they think they, they know it all. They, they, they think they know more than us. And actually, they do know more uh, than, than us. They were, they've, they've had uh, information at their fingertips uh, long before we did. And um, so I think there's some of those tensions in place. And I think there's, it's, it's really different expectations that people have that they bring to the workplace. And those are kind of clashing now. And so I think that's it. And then just some of the things we talked about, uh, people being in environments where they don't feel like they can be themselves. I think this whole like quarterly profit model uh, way of thinking about doing business um, really drives, uh, especially in the United States, I mean, where uh, capitalism rules everything. And so I, I think some of those priorities um, just make it tough to, to do that. Yeah, those are really great insights. Well, you know, I'm so glad you're here today because we've talked about how the world of work is broken and uh, we can talk about work, but you can't talk about work without talking about politics. And I think it's important for people because we are all political animals, whether or not we appreciate that or even admit it, but it's important for people to have some political fluency, some political literacy about them. And I wonder if you can help us start to think about politics and work a little bit and tell us what you think is going right in politics right now and what's going right in the world of work related to that. So as you know, we're based out of D.C., even though we have kind of people uh, across the country, our home office is based in D.C., right across the street from the White House. Uh, so we're right in the middle of it all. Uh, protest on lunch, lunch breaks, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's what the BTC life is, is like a little bit in D.C. Um, but I think the, the question that you ask about what's going right is a really important question that we need to keep asking ourselves and, and making ourselves answer because it feels a lot easier these days to identify what's wrong. I mean, there's, there's chaos, there's corruption, there's division, all of these things that are going on. And, uh, uh, but typically, for every trend, there's this counter trend that happens. And I, I think that um, with all the disturbing things that are happening and that we're exposed to, we're seeing some of these counter trends emerge. And so it's really forcing some of our systemic problems that when we're comfortable, we just kind of don't deal with. When we're a little too comfortable, we don't deal with. It's forcing them into the spotlight. And um, it's making, uh, you know, we have with media, uh, social media today, we're just being exposed to so much more. You can't watch some of these things caught on video or hear some of these heartbreaking stories and not feel that outrage and not feel really uncomfortable. And so unfortunately, it's when it's those times uh, a lot of often when things are really painful that really make us say, um, we've got to do something about it. You see this Me Too movement that's, that's, that's uh, come uh, to rise and it's, it's spread so fast and it's, it's such a scale that 
it's, it's hit most workplaces, most industries. I don't know too many industries where uh, that movement hasn't driven into. I was at, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the uh, Women's Food Service Forum Conference. And there was a speaker there, which is a huge industry, one of the biggest industries for employers. And there was a speaker there that got on stage and started reading the individual stories of servers and hostess harassment stories uh, in detail. And it was very uncomfortable to listen to, but this is happening in the workplace. And, uh, you know, with that, uh, we're strong call to actions and demands to fix what's going on. And, and I'm starting to feel this more zero tolerance culture. Um, you know, we put all of our staff through new training and made us evaluate our own culture and say, what's, what's happening here. And so I think, you know, when, when really bad things are happening, it's also a chance to address those. Um, you know, another thing I think is going right, and I mentioned this briefly with just talking about young people today, is if you look at the Parkland students. And um, I've been absolutely obsessed a little crazy about um, what's happening with uh, social media and how it's been weaponized. And it's yeah. just been a really ugly, terrible uh, place. And um, you've had, you know, kind of all the bad guys really understand how to manipulate these tools. So we've got disinformation spreading. We have these hyper-partisan echo chambers. And, um, but with all that, uh, and it's been disturbing because the people that you want, that you think should be able to fix this, uh, really don't even have their arms around the problem. And so um, these Parkland students who were raised in social media, uh, they understand uh, how these things work. All of these kind of conspiracy, shady, online media groups that have observed spreading this stuff, they're able to like shut it down right away with their own viral content, standing up to just calling demands. And it's, it's really shocked that system. And so it's given me some hope uh, that, um, you know, things are going to change, things are going to happen. Um, and, and we need to empower kind of these, these young people more in yeah, these spots. I, I love that. What, scares me the most with these kids is that I see a bunch of adults jumping on the bandwagon and trying to co-opt this vibrancy, this youthful message of change and almost codify it and yeah. make it into like band assemblies and <laughs> get the kids on the football field and let's all rah-rah love and community Gosh, togetherness. Yeah. But it's totally a sellout move. These parents, I, I sound weird, but these parents ruin everything. And I hope these kids continue to fight. And I hope they continue to just yeah. bug people, right? Because that's what's going to change. If adults swoop in and co-op that message, it's going to ruin it, ruin it completely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I mean. We need to let them lead more and, oh, and yeah. more of them. And that is, that's, that's another positive sign is that uh, more young people are getting more engaged engaged in this stuff. And I hope so because generations before them, my generation, Gen X, right? Millennials, we've, and these are not millennials. These are definitely Gen Z kids, right? Millennials are older. These kids today are amazing, <laughs> not deserve any scorn. I'm so impressed by them. And we, we've let them down. We have oh, let yeah. them down. Oh, without question. Do you remember so, when we were these kids today? I do. I was, just, you know, I was thinking about like that. We as knew each talking. other when we were considered these kids today. And That's now, right. Yeah, it's been forever. Soon. And, you know, it's kind of sad when you talked about the weaponization of social media. Remember the promise and the potential of platforms like Twitter and Facebook back in the day? Remember when we thought we can change the world with like a tweet? 
Oh, it's, 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 I was, I was one of the biggest advocates for this stuff. <clears throat> my, my life is a social media ROI case study, you know, and I, I, I literally, um, I still am holding out hope that we can bring kind of that, the human and humane back to the internet. Um, but it's, it's definitely a massive, massive, massive problem. Well, you know, I know you believe in community as part of the solution. This is something that you talk about over and over again. Do you think we even have real community anymore? And I wonder how this whole social revolution has changed the concept of like community, association, fellowship, identity. So what what are your thoughts about community and whether or not it's real or is it fake like everything else on the internet? Yeah. So I I think you know, especially because we have known each other for like a decade. And I think about earlier days, the good old days on social media, and there was so much community, right? I mean, you had your, you you got onto Twitter and you're following your chats and your talks in the little community there. There was, there's just this like really positive feeling. And a lot of those habits, I've I've watched my own habits change too. I go to, to Twitter and I'm What's the trending topics? What are the moments? I'm I'm, I'm consuming like really uh, destructive news all all day long and following that. And so I I think that it's, you know, in that context, it's easy to look at it and think uh, we've lost this like sense of community. But I, I also still see that if you're an LGBT person of faith, and you're in rural, uh, uh, the deep south somewhere, and you feel like nobody else is like me, uh, this still, social media is still providing a place for people to find people like them, find safe places to talk to people like them and, and, and create community among that. I mean, it was, it was really just a few years ago that I met my fiance, uh, you know, through Twitter, became aware of, of, of of that. So I think there's still some beautiful things that can happen. Um, you know, and I think if you are someone who has, uh, an illness or a disability and you can't leave the house, right. It gives us a, a chance to still be connected with, with friends and people and find community. And so all of that is still there. I, I really do think it's this weaponization of social media, um, that has just kind of polluted it. And it's, it's one of, um, it's one of the things that scares me the most about, I hear that. And, you know, I think about the weaponization every time I look at the design of my phone and the design of these apps. I mean, it's really designed to hook us, to grab our attention, to addict us to our devices. And it makes me worried that there aren't enough trusted institutions out there that have your best interest and my best interest at heart. Because so far, what we've seen is that these big corporations have come in and taken over the social revolution and turned it into just another extension of consumerism. And that scares the hell out of me. So when you think about what keeps you up at night, is it the weaponization of social media? Like what what scares you the most? I I mean, beyond nuclear war. Uh, <laughs> You're right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Ironically, the internet technology and social media. So ironically, the things that for uh, so long now I've been advocating for, I still believe in its power to make great change. We've, we've done a lot over the year, but it, it years, uh, to, you know, for charities and causes through social media. Um, I've met some of the most amazing, beautiful people through social media. Um, but it has, you know, it's these terrorist 
uh, oppressive governments, kind of all the bad guys have figured this out. And unfortunately, um, they seem to have a more sophisticated understanding of the power of these tools and these tools, uh, you know, not intentionally, right? To your point, uh, they were kind of built, uh, you know, just kind of serve this, this model of consumer capitalism on that, but they're also, uh, they're built in which a way where it's really easy to, to, to weaponize. It's really easy through social media to build these massive echo chambers and to spread disinformation because falsehoods spread uh, further than truth. And um, what does scare me the most is they're out of freaking control. I mean, they really are. If you, the stuff that happened recently with Zuckerberg, uh, you can tell like, he, you know, he says he's trying, but he doesn't have his arms around this. Like, no, this, this is, this stuff is advancing at such a, a pace that uh, I don't know that any of them really have their arms around it or any control. And, and it's, and it's really outrageous that the, the pe- kind of a lot of the people in power uh, don't really have the political will either to fix uh, some of these things. And so I think that that is what, um, because, you know, you take us offline and you make us all live together in community and go through the, the good times, go through the hard times together, we'll sort it out. People, deep, deep down, we're, we're good, right? Most of us, deep down, are good. Uh, actually, the world is a better, the world is actually getting better. It's not getting worse. It seems like it's getting worse because uh, we're, addicted to, uh, we're addicted to this kind of like bad news. Um, it's what we're exposed to all the time. It's, it's clickbait stuff. Um, and so we're seeing more of that, but we're actually, you know, poverty is down. Um, yes, right, life, expect- yeah, le- life expectancy is up. But trust is down. Trust in Absolutely. public institutions is way down. So as we think about wrapping up this segment, I want to know what does it take to earn back the trust of citizens, consumers, employees, because someone like Zuckerberg has blown it. He right. continually blows it, right? You know, the founder of Instagram blows it. Uh, the people who sold our or accidentally leaked our credit card information at Target, they blew it. So what does it take to earn back the trust of the average American or even global citizens? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, Joni Doolin, our friend from, uh, uh, TD 2K. Uh, Lovely woman. Let me interrupt and just say Joni is like one of my heroes. She's yeah, she's, yeah. she's extraordinary. She, she's, she's quite the futurist too, right? Yeah, she's always she's like kind of called the shots way ahead of time. And one of the things, uh, recently at their global, uh, best practices event that she was talking about is this is she, she was pre- presenting some statistics and I can't remember exactly what they were, but it was shocking to me because it was saying that employees actually trust their business leaders more now than before. And it's because of this trust crisis that we're having with institutions and government. So they're, they're kind of the, like, there's this rare opportunity uh, that they're looking to their bosses their leaders at work to help lead and kind of guide them through. And so I think a lot of it is modeling and, and um, uh, you know, as, uh, as leaders in organizations, as leaders in our communities, um, just leading through uh, this, this stuff and showing examples of integrity and showing examples and building, you build, you build trust by keeping commitments one, one, you know, one day at a time. 
you, you make a commitment and you keep it. Uh, you, you know, showing it, we, we have to really lead because I can't, I can't, I don't think that we can wait for these institutions to get fixed. Um, but, but there's, there's more of us than them. Well said. I love the individual call to action and the focus on personal accountability and leadership. Amanda, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how you can be the change. Yes, you listening in your car, driving to your crappy job, you are responsible for being the change. We'll be right back. Hey, are you ready to podcast like a pro? Then you need a secret weapon. Someone who can make it easy, where all you have to do is show up and be the host. At One Stone Creative, that's what we do. Everything. Yeah, everything. Imagine, every time you sit down to record, you know what your topic is. You want a script? We can do that too. Then you record it, drop it in a folder, and that's it. Our team will take it from there. Production, show notes, uploads, blog posts, social media assets, swipe copy. Like I said, everything. Book a call with the podcast strategist today. Just go to onestonecreative.net slash podcast. That's onestonecreative.net slash podcast. And we'll take it from there. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman, and I'm here with my dear friend, Amanda Height. Amanda, you ready to talk about being the change? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you know, because it's daunting, even for the most privileged among us, including me. So, you know, if you're just like an average Joe with a job and a family, and you're not really prone to taking risks, but you see things that need to be fixed in your community or your work environment, how can you take action? How can you be the change and have a positive impact on the social circumstances in your environment? Yeah. And it's, it's especially hard, the harder your social circumstances are, right? Um, and, and the burden of that is, um, it's overwhelming for, for, really, uh, for really all of us, but especially like the harder uh, uh, your circumstances are. But I, I think one of the things that I always do is, you know, look for the helpers and uh, find the people uh, that are working to make change and, 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 and see how you can plug in and be a part of that. So find safe communities, uh, look for helpers, um, look for if, if it's, if, if you're in the situation yourself and it seems overwhelming because uh, you're a, you're being effective by what's, what's ever, whatever's wrong, like personally. Um, I, I think it's important to look for people that have been in your situation before and made it out. They've walked your path um, because I think to have the strength to make it through, you have to have hope. And a lot of times, you know, uh, when you can find a role model, you can find somebody that's been there, it gives you hope, and then finding the helpers and the communities uh, that are, are working in this and, and find ways to help. There's, there's, we, we, we all have a unique way that we can serve and plug in. And so. I love it. I love it. You know, it makes me think about our conversation around the promise and potential of social media for everything that you've experienced. Social media can connect you with someone who's had that same experience. That's and right. Walked in that step. So that, that's really great insight. So what about the people who work in the freelance and gig economy? Because I know you come up and deal and, and coach and, and work with individuals who are paid hourly or paid by their projects and don't necessarily have the infrastructure or resources to go to. They don't have an HR department. They don't have coaches. They may not even have health insurance. So how can we give them some hope in this economy when more and more people are in this freelance economy and this gig work and have fewer and fewer resources? Any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of challenges and things that need to, to be fixed in, in the, the freelancer gig economy that you talk about. Uh, I also think that there's um, uh, just our access to technology right now. I also think it, it does help us connect with more. I, I think there's a lot more innovation that's happening to solve some of these things. And it, it allows us to connect with various networks of people. Um, I, I just look at things like uh, the WeWork network and everything that you get access through. So it's like, I, I do believe that there's innovations happening where it's joining together some of these people and providing solutions. Can you, um, wait, can you tell us about the WeWork network? Like, what's that? Because I'm sure there are people listening who are like, what the heck is WeWork? Even oh, though sure. we know what it is, yeah. Oh, sure, sorry. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really kind of uh, a new model of co-working spaces. Um, and so what we, we, we found, it's actually a space that we're in in D.C., um, and there, there's a lot of kind of startup organizations in there, individual freelancers uh, that are in, this, uh, in these offices. But there's also like big organizations that just happen to have a small team in that, that city and they put them there or get big office space. But it's, it's this collective network of people and you can uh, share resources. You can, you know, there's, you have this app where you can connect with other members and you'll see on the discussion boards, hey, um, I'm having a technology problem with my computer. Could somebody come help me with this? Or does somebody know how to do this with this file? And somebody else in the network comes in. Um, you, there's, they, they do different, they offer different classes from the various, but it's just this really collaborative uh, work environment. Um, and, and there's a ton of various discounts, uh, benefits, and things like that that they offer that you wouldn't necessarily have uh, just as an individual company on your own, but you're able to have access to. Well, that makes sense. And you can find community and affinity with the people that you see on a daily basis, even though you don't have the same employer technically. So that makes sense. Yeah, It's kind of the best of, because you don't have as many disruptions as you do in kind of a a big corporate environment, somebody coming in your office all the time. But if you want to be around people and have some human conversations, you could do that too. Oh my God. The biggest disruption I have lately are my cats. And I'm surprised nobody's come to bug us uh, because you know, Amanda, I'm a cat lover. So those are my coworkers, right? I have three of them right now. And I know you have some cat coworkers as well. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> I brought I, you to the dark side. You did. I watched you for years and all of the sudden, um, I, I adopted a little, I call him my little puppy cat. He plays fetch, uh, Prince. And, um, I, I really, I was really doing it to kind of make my fiance happy. Of course. That's what a good spouse cat. does. Yeah. It was like, and I was like, yeah, I could do this. And I fell madly in love. I mean, I, I don't ever like take much time off for work or just like play hooky, but I, that first week I was worthless. I just like stared at him and took so many pictures and loved on him. And then we, we got him a little brother, Toby. So like, yeah, there, I I wish they would want to go to work, but they kind of, they kind of like it here. They don't like, you know, going anywhere outside of here. Of course not. Of course not. Well, you bring up an interesting point around work-life balance and taking time off. And it's so important for us uh, as individuals, as a society to get away from work. Like I really believe that we need, we need to turn it off, but it's harder and harder with technology. And, you know, I think the more access to tech that we have, sometimes it dampens our ability to be creative and innovative. and, And we let our inner dreamer get beaten down by email and Slack notifications. So I wonder how you protect your inner optimist, your inner dreamer. What do you do for work-life balance? 
Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the big part of that is just setting boundaries, right? Which is really hard for me anyways, but um, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a news cycle. You can, something's breaking, you can follow the roller coaster on Twitter and every little play by play uh, that happens and get sucked into that drama. Or you could like every morning get the New York Times daily briefing, right? And then they kind of wrap it all up for you and then you can dig where you want. And I think it's really about scheduling in first. I, I do have to just unplug uh, when I'm off, just completely be off and present wherever I am. And, um, you know, not log on because it's addictive. It's really tough. It's really tough. But um, we, yeah, we have to, to take time off to just rejuvenate. And so I just say no. I mean, I just turn the ringer off, sometimes turn the phone off and just be present wherever I am. Well, you know, you can do that as a business owner and an entrepreneur. I think about, you know, people in the uh, service industry who have to, you know, are on call to go in and work shifts or people who are in the gig economy and they leave their phone on just because they're always looking for the next opportunity. They're waiting for the phone to ring and they don't want to miss a call and miss an opportunity. And and sometimes this on-demand, on-call lifestyle that we've created in this world is so toxic and so stressful. So beyond just turning the ringer off, do you have any tips or insights for people to really think about work-life balance or work-life boundaries a little bit differently because turning the ringer off is great for me and it's great for you. Yeah. It's not great for the person working retail. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, or is it, or are you, well, I mean, you I could challenge I, people and say, turn I, mean, it off. I would, I would advocate that like, you know, you're, it, you have to set boundaries with your own employer too. And if, if you're, if you're working for an employer that, that doesn't allow you to do that. I mean, I, and I know it's not as easy for people to change jobs as, you know, and I don't want to pretend like it's just, Hey, just go get another job. Like that's that easy. But, um, I, I think that, uh, it's 2018 it, when you're going to work the employee, you, you know, your employer can let you know when you're expected to work and outside of that should be your time. And I, I think that it's really, really important to, you know, precious to protect that. Um, so I, I think it's hard. I think a lot of us are really addicted to work. Um, and even if it's just a afternoon, you know, but those, those times you just have to have to protect that. I think that's so well said. Thank you so much. You know, um, we'll wrap this up by, I want, I do want to share something with you, but we'll wrap this up with a question, but my philosophy around fixing work and fixing this, fixing just the general society that we live in is evolving as I do this podcast. And I believe that if we want to fix work, we have to fix ourselves. That's That's where it starts. So I wonder at uh, BTC revolution, what do you, what are you doing to fix work? It's, it's interesting that you said, if you want to fix work, you have to fix yourself. I remember when I was uh, a corporation that I was working for before I started my own company, Um, I was working like 80 hours a week and it was always their fault right? It was there, this company's making me do this. And then all of a sudden I went to go work for myself and I was still working crazy hours. And I was, I was like, I can't like point to anyone here, right? Like and, and with my own company, when things go bad, I can't blame that on Trump, right? It's, it is literally, I'm well, the one that well, wait, has wait. to, to look at that. I would be okay with that. <laughs> sure. sure. But, yeah. but I mean, ultimately it is this, it is this weird thing of becoming, you, you have this whole new perspective when it's like, oh, whoa, 
you know what, actually I have like really shitty time management, you know, and actually I'm, I have a hard time prioritizing or focusing. And so I think when, especially when you, you know, your, your, your livelihood, they're the livelihood of many others is kind of on, you, you realize that uh, it absolutely takes fixing yourself uh, before you can properly lead others. And that there's such a ripple effect and waves that happen when, you know, um, you know, the leaders in an organization have, uh, you know, problems like it, it, it touches everyone. And so you, you start to, there's just like this awareness and I'm still working on it. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that we do really great and there's stuff that I still suck at, you know I mean? And so um, I know that, that one of the things is that we love really well. Like, so we love our people and that gives us some, that buys us some empathy, you know, along the way, it buys us some goodwill. I know it's communicating intentions and it's, 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 it's asking, like, give me feedback and making it a place where they can really deliver fearless feedback to say, Hey, this is really messed up. Um, because then I have an opportunity to fix it. Um, so I think one of the big things we do is like, let's just talk about our, it's like a family. Let's just talk about, you know, the mess. How do we, how do we clean it up? Something's wrong with the scheduling. Okay. Let's, what kind of principles can we put in place? That's going to make it better. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I won't pretend to be perfect at it, but I do know that if you, you love the others well and you'll, you, you invite them to have a seat at the table to help fix it and they feel really safe coming to you and, 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 you know, talking about the challenges that, uh, you know, that's one of the best ways to fix it. I love it. Fix work with love. That's not bad. That's pretty good. I love it. I I, love is the prescription for all that's ill in the world. That's my, that's, that's my belief. Well, I'm so excited for all the good stuff in your life and congratulations on your upcoming wedding. I'm super, super excited for you. You'll get an invite. I appreciate that. As someone who's been married for 15 and a half years, I can tell you the best marriage advice I've ever received. Are you ready? Oh, please. Don't listen to anybody's marriage advice. <laughs> That's great. That's 100% true. Like everybody's <laughs> just projecting their own shit at you. So don't listen to anybody. Have your own experiences. And I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. So congratulations. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. Well, Amanda, why don't you tell everybody where we can find you on the internet? Yeah. So um, you can find me at uh, Amanda Height. My last name is H-I-T-E. Uh, Amanda Height on Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of those places. And the BTC has accounts in all those same spots at BTC Revolutions also. And then uh, btcrevolutions.com. All right. Well, thanks so much, Amanda Height. And thank you all for listening today. And I appreciate your time on Let's Fix Work. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amanda Height. As you just heard, Amanda and I originally connected on the internet. And in the spirit of this episode, I'd love for you to connect with me on your favorite social media platform. Say hi and tell me how you'd like to fix work. You can find me at L. Rudiman everywhere you look. And you can also follow Let's Fix Work on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. And that's all for this week. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by subscribing to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review.